back uh, at one of our several homes. Uh, and we certainly consider L.A. our home. And uh, I just uh, can't tell you how excited we are to be here this weekend. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun uh, because uh, we believe in laughing at a marriage enrichment weekend and having a good time while we convict ourselves, okay? And uh, I just want to clear up one thing real quick, and that is uh, Jesus has not been wasting his time watching the Cowboys this season. He, uh, he certainly has more important things to do this season. He turned away when we lost our quarterback, which is very sad. You know, uh, we're always reminded when we come back to L.A. how big it is. Uh, Dallas-Fort Worth is the fourth largest metropolitan area in the United States. And we, uh, we feel like it's pretty big till we come back to L.A., get off our plane at uh, LAX, and then on a Friday night, try to drive out to Palm Springs on the 91. I can tell you there were more people on the 91 last night than there were in Dallas-Fort Worth. So it's a big place. Uh, we thought we would start off with some laughter, so Connie is going to come and share something that I think will uh, no doubt hit home. Thank you, first of all, so much for uh, those who decided to invite us out. It's always, you know, incredibly exciting for us to be back in one of our homes, which is L.A. And I just want to say that you know you've been to a lot of married retreats here when you walk into the hotel. We haven't been here in over five years, and the bellman remembered Mark. Because <laughs> he's like, I remember you. And anyway, it was I just big, not small, <laughs> the, big. But we're excited to be back at another Married Enrichment Weekend here with you guys. And I'm going to kick us off with a little humor, hopefully, uh, to lighten the mood a little. And um, this is a very biblical account of the conversation between Adam and God uh, in the garden. So I want you to really take this very to heart and seriously. It says. Um, when Eve first appeared before Adam, he gazed upon her and he said, Oh, God, she is so beautiful. Why is she so beautiful? And God said, That's so you can love her. And then Adam reached out and he touched her. And he said, Oh, God, she's so soft. Why is she so soft? And God said, That's so you can love her. Then Eve spoke her first words to Adam. And Adam responded, Oh God, why is she so stupid? And God said, That is so she can love you. Well, it's, uh, if that's a biblical account, then it's obvious my wife needs to get rid of her uh, paraphrased Bible. 
The only thing you need to remember about that is that I speak last on Sunday. <laughs> I, uh, I could say a lot of things here to start off our uh, time together, but uh, let, let me say this. I really love my wife. And uh, I will just tell you there is, uh, there is no human being that I love more. Uh, for us, it was love at first sight. Uh, we were married two years after we met, and yeah, those blue eyes got me too. She actually came over to my residence hall room to uh, help my roommate study for an exam, and he nicely brought her over to my side of the quad to uh, introduce her before they went off to study, and three hours later, she was still there talking to me. <laughs> and uh, hopefully it was love on first sight for her as well. But uh, here we are, 36 years after getting married, three kids later, two wonderful daughter-in-laws later, and now even a granddaughter later. And I can honestly say our love is as strong by far as it's ever been. You know, someone once said, love at first sight is easy. It's love when people have been looking at each other for a lifetime that it really is impressive. And uh, no doubt there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, you know, it's an amazing thing, I think, about Connie and I in our 36 years of marriage. For all but six months of those 36 years, we've worked together in our careers. Uh, we've had some different careers along the way, but uh, there was a six-month stint where we worked apart and we hated it, and we were working back together again six months later. So... That in itself probably gives us some credibility to speak here, because some of you, if you work together, you'd kill each other. Let's just be honest. And, uh, you know, uh, there's no one else's company. Obviously, I enjoy more, and she's my uh, absolute best friend on this amazing journey that God has blessed us on. Now, I say all that to give you this disclaimer. We don't have, by any means, a perfect marriage. In fact, uh, I want to really convince you here this weekend that it's really not so much about perfection. In fact, it's really not about perfection at all. So just get that out of your mind. It's really about making progress. And uh, wow, if you could have seen where our marriage was uh, two years in, if you could have seen it three, four years in when she literally took off the wedding ring on one occasion and threw it at me and said, that's it, I'm going home to mom and dad, then there's a lot of hope for any marriage. <laughs> I, uh, we really want to encourage you just in, in really one simple thing, and that is this weekend, just pick one are at the most two things that you are really going to go after in your life. Don't worry about your spouse 
here this weekend. Just worry about yourself. Focus on yourself. And, and you know, I put before you that marriage, uh, and I want to start with this illustration, it's a lot like a, a puzzle, I think. You know, for men, it may be even more puzzling than women, but let's just say it's a lot like a puzzle. And uh, this illustration really helps me when I get stuck in my marriage, and we certainly have gotten stuck along those 36 years. Less now so, but early on, a lot. And, you know, I don't really put many puzzles together, but my mom enjoys putting a puzzle together. Her sisters and her, my aunts, uh, they'll put puzzles together. And when I go back home, uh, they usually have a working puzzle on a table, and I, I watch how they do it. And what I'm told is, you know, when you, uh, when you get a puzzle, you know, obviously the first thing you're going to do is you're going to dump the pieces out on the, uh, on the table. And then uh, what they do, at least, is they, uh, they take this puzzle and they start turning every piece over. And uh, once they've turned everything over and they take a little bit of time to turn it all over to kind of see what's there, they, they start looking for dominant colors that really jump out. And, you know, with this particular uh, puzzle, it's clear it's going to be some, some really dark, rich blues. And then it's going to be a lot of uh, kind of cream color and then a few reds and a little bit of greens. And, and they just uh, start there kind of getting the colors arranged where they want the colors. Then they look for the borders. And they start pulling all the uh, borders together in one place. And then uh, they start putting the puzzle together. And it's amazing to watch them do that. But they usually at some point pretty quickly get stuck like we do sometimes in our marriage. And, uh, you know, we get stuck in our marriage in various ways, you know. Uh, you know, we, we start looking at our spouse as this puzzle, and, you know, why, why aren't you more romantic? Or, uh, whatever happened to that sex drive? Or, uh, man, I... I thought I married someone spiritual. I thought you were going to lead me spiritually. And you start turning more pieces over, and, and you may be thinking, well, well, man, why don't you take care of your appearance? Why do you look like that now? <laughs> and you get stuck. No, you get stuck. Let's keep it real. And I'll tell you what happens when, when puzzle solvers get stuck is, is they, they don't go closer to the puzzle like we do in our marriages. But, but what I've learned by watching them is that they step back and they do something pretty amazing. They pick up the box and they step back and they refocus on what they're really trying to build and put together. And, and they, they, they have that box where they can kind of see it and then they oh, I think I've got this over here, and they, they start working at it like that. I, I share that with you because that really, I think, is what we're going to try to do here in the next 24 hours, is to try to really give you a fresh vision of really what you're trying to build to the glory of God here in your marriages, Amen. and really what God wants you to experience and have in that marriage. And so with that in mind, we thought it might be fun to uh, look at what wives 
want in a husband? Okay, let's just get right down to it. And uh, let's talk about what wives want to a husband. And I think what we're going to be amazed at, and maybe even a little encouraged by, is it gets easier, brothers, as we get older. So I'll just leave it there. All righty. Sometimes we get into a realm of having very unrealistic expectations. I don't know if you've ever gotten there yourself before, but that, it can happen. So we're going to look at what expectations wives have before they're married and through some various stages of their life towards their husband. Okay, here's the list of things that most women want in a man before she gets married. She wants him to be handsome, charming, stylish, dresser, thoughtful, great physical condition, and romantic. So that's before. I hope that helps. Thank you. I brought along my living example. Okay. okay. Keep it moving. So here. when she, when she, when some years pass and she's in her 30s, her expectations change. She's becoming more realistic, right? So, all right. Not. I don't have this problem, but. It's true. So now, this is what she's looking for: someone who's nice looking. He opens the car door. He's a good listener. He works out sometimes. He's in decent shape. Yeah. He remembers anniversaries and birthdays and, and, is, and is romantic at least once a week. But then uh, he hits 41. And I think, brothers, as you're going to see, it, it loosens up a little bit for us. <laughs> At 41, what she's looking for is someone who's not too ugly. <laughs> Waits until she's in the car before driving away. <laughs> At least acts like he's listening. Holds in his stomach. <laughs> remembers to put the toilet seat down and, by the way, often, often shaves on weekends. So the years tick by. And we're at 52. And now her expectations change once again. What she's hoping for is that he'll at least comb the hair that he has left. <laughs> that he'll at least ask if we need a ride if he's going somewhere. <laughs> if he stays awake when I'm talking to him. Could he wear a shirt that covers his stomach? <laughs> And we're grateful that he doesn't forget my name. And now he sometimes shaves on the weekends. And then there's a whole new list when we hit 63. Yeah, 63. She's just looking for someone that keeps the nose and ear hair trimmed. <laughs> someone that can still drive, doesn't make bodily noises or scratch in public, usually wears fresh underwear and matching socks, remembers why he went into a room, and usually shaves. So again, we're approaching 74, and things are changing. She's hoping that his looks don't scare small children, <laughs> that he can still find the bathroom, 
that he usually wears some clothes, that he likes soft foods, that he knows where he left his teeth, and he can remember. It's the weekend. And uh, by the way, if you're lucky enough to hit 85, well, it gets really easy, brothers. All she's looking is for someone who's still breathing and can occasionally hit the toilet. So uh, I hope that gives you some encouragement. It gets easier, and it should get easier. Let's get serious. We thought a lot about what we could share with you today that might really be useful in the limited time we have. And so we're going to share one thing with you in this session that we're absolutely convinced from our own lives and after some 36 years can absolutely transform any marriage. It's simply you deciding to imitate the humility of Jesus. You know, there's one great scripture. In fact, it's the only place, I believe, where Jesus actually describes himself. Where he literally paints a portrait of himself, taking the brush in his own hand, and in Matthew 11 and verse 29 says, let me teach you about me. Let me teach you to learn from me because I am gentle and humble. Humble in heart. You know, the bottom line is humility has an amazing ability to impact a marriage. And both Connie and I believe more than any other attribute of Jesus, his humility is really the key to a healthy and happy marriage. You see, if two people will just make it their goal to imitate the humility of Christ, everything else will take care of itself. And I am telling you, it is really that simple. John Paul Getty, the famous billionaire oil man, was very proud of his millions. But during his time, he was considered the richest man literally on the planet. But during his most active years in his business, do you know that he lived alone in a 72-room mansion outside of London? Over a 25-year period, he had married and divorced five women. He wrote this, I hate to be a failure. I would gladly, gladly give all my millions for just one lasting, successful marriage. Wow. 
You see, if you have that today, you are, in his eyes, richer than his many millions. And, uh, you know, again, how does this humility really play a part in our marriages? You see, I've got to convince you, absolutely, because I think some of you are self-skeptical, that if we will just commit right here, right now, to imitate the humility of Jesus afresh in our life, it will absolutely transform your relationship with your spouse. So let's talk now practically how some ways that humility of Jesus shows itself. The first one is that humility is a great listener. I got to tell you, as a young married man, I really underestimated the importance of this one. And I see some of the older guys out there nodding their heads. You know, humility really shows itself, the humility of Christ, by being a great listener. You see, pride, it doesn't need so much a spouse, it just needs an audience. Humility, boy, it it puts real effort and energy into listening. Pride, wow, it just loves to talk. It uses conversation, really, as its broadcast time. Humility, on the other hand, you'll find it will ask questions. And it really loves dialogue. You see, that's different than monologue. Before marriage, your spouse declares that they would lay down their life to serve you. Remember those vows? After marriage, many spouses won't even lay down the remote control or, let's make it really practical, the smartphone just to look you in the eye when you're talking to them. You all know the scriptures, I'm sure, James 1.19, when it says, everyone should be quick to listen, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Man, if you need to learn anything about how to listen without interrupting, and boy, as a young married man, I needed to learn that. It's real simple. Just don't open your mouth. (laughs) You know, one of the best things I can tell you about how to build a great marriage is never pass up an opportunity, brothers, to keep your mouth shut. Trust me on that one. Because guys are so prone to want to fix it or to want to respond or to go off on what they know. And it's so challenging to imitate, especially as men, the humility of being a great listener. You know, we're like the guy who says, my wife says I don't listen to her. Or at least I... I think that's what she said. 
Not listening may, uh, may really seem like a small flaw, but what it really says is you're really, you're really not that important to me. Let me, uh, let me try to convince you that love and listening are synonyms. In the book, The Emotionally Healthy Church, the author suggests fine-tuning our listening skills. And these are some of the things that he says we should check with ourselves. I want you to really listen here carefully. Number one, I make a great effort to enter the other person's experience in life. In other words, great listeners are great empathizers. To really put yourself in that person's shoes as they're speaking. Number two, I do not presume to know what the other person is trying to communicate. Boy, it's getting quiet in here. My close friends would say I listen more than I speak. When people are angry with me, I am able to listen to their side without getting upset myself. People share freely with me because they know I listen well. I listen not only to what people say, but also for their nonverbal cues, their body language, their tone of voice. Are you really tuned in to the body language, to the tone of your spouse? I give my spouse their my undivided attention when they are talking to me. You see, these are, these are just good tests to ask yourself if you really, really want to be a great listener and to validate the other person's thoughts and their emotions. And so the first thing we really want you to understand about humility is that humility is really a great listener. And that is uh, incredibly important to imitating the humility of Christ. You say, well, how do I change this? It's not my strength. How do I go about this? Well, I think like anything, focus in on Jesus. Look at how Jesus interacted with people in the Gospels. Get your mindset on being like him. Immediately stop what you are doing and focus in. Look them in the eye and listen patiently to every attentive word they're saying. The second thing that I believe is key to imitating the humility of Christ in your marriage is that humility considers your spouse better than yourself. Philippians 2, verse 3 says, Do nothing from 
rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. I love the ESV version of Romans 12.10. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Man, when you make it your goal to outdo your spouse in showing honor towards them, then let me just say, you've got down the road a long way to humility and a healthy marriage. You know, I'll give you a real practical this week. This is so typical in our household. Is that uh, we were at home. I was working in my office. And uh, Connie uh, just uh, mentioned, hey, uh, can you help me make this bed? Uh, We were setting up the spare bedroom because someone is staying at our house this week. And, uh, you know, it's one of those uh, frames where you actually have to lift up the mattress and pull it out a little bit and rest it on the bottom bed post in order to put it on. I I don't know why we bought such a bed, but (laughs) it's, uh, it's a bear to make it. And I got to tell you, my first reaction was to say, sure, in a minute, I'll, I'll be there in a little bit. Or, yeah, I'll let you know when I can do that. She wasn't even asking me to stop right there and, and do it right there on the spot. And I'm sitting at my desk, uh, and I have an open office, and I'm working on, uh, really, this lesson and so uh, I, I immediately hit saved on my document, got up and said, sure, let's go do it. I had convicted myself <laughs> that really it's great to talk about Romans 12.10, outdo one another in showing honor, but practically speaking, that's how you do it. You know, God being God gave me many other opportunities that week to show that. (laughs) Connie was uh, working on her lesson, and she was uh, right in eye's uh, view of me, and and I overheard as she goes, why can't I do that? And she was trying to attach a file to uh, one of her documents, and, and, uh, you know, I could have yelled something out, but I stopped right there got up from my important work and walked over to the computer and said, let me, let me see if I can help you here. And I, I clicked on and we worked it together. And then I patiently showed her, here's how you do that, hon. It's not the only way, but that's the way I do it. And I got to tell you, it's, it's those kind of things that make a huge difference in how healthy and happy your marriage is going to be. And I've had to really train my mindset to, uh, to really have that as my spirit and to uh, not consider myself more important than her. And so, uh, you know, there's so many other things I could share, but I, I recently had surgery because I had cancer. And uh, it was pretty, pretty uh, invasive surgery. I actually had seven different incisions. And uh, one of them being about uh, almost three inches long, the other weren't so, so major. And uh, I'll tell you what, I have never been laid up like that. This was about two months ago. 
And uh, my wife literally dropped everything she was doing for several weeks to nurse me back to health. And I got to tell you, uh, you couldn't pay to get that kind of care uh, in a hospital or uh, home service. It it was just amazing. Uh, You know, there's an old saying, when guys get sick, you've heard it. The American flag comes down off the front of the house, or if you're in Dallas, the, the Texas state flag comes down. That's where we hang in Texas. And uh, the Red Cross flag goes right in its place. It is a designated Red Cross high care trauma center. When we got married, When we got married, one of the first experiences we had was, I think it was in the very first year, year and a half for sure of our marriage, Connie had to get her impacted wisdom teeth out. Well, that wasn't my attitude. It was like, (laughs) see, that's why you're an elder. My attitude was, no big deal. Let's get it done. And uh, she went. She had four impacted wisdom teeth. How clueless I was is, you know, I, I, of course I drove her there and I brought her home. But then I said, you know, I got to get over to campus, honey. Uh, I've got to study here in about an hour. You need anything? I mean, she looked like a chipmunk. She couldn't even talk, let alone tell me what she needed. You know, I didn't think to get her a pad to write on. I just said, you need anything? There was a little mumbling, I took it as a no, and I headed off to campus. I, uh, I remember coming back home and being shocked that she was still laying on the couch. This was like three hours later, I mean, come on, toughen up. In fairness, I have a really high pain tolerance. And, uh, you know, uh, this went on for several days, two, three, maybe four days. And, you know, my attitude was, and I even said, so how long is this going to last? And are you, are you sure you can't, uh, you, you can't make it to campus? I mean, we've got a lot of women's studies happening here. I, I mean, am I exaggerating a little? I just, I just want all the sisters out there, all the ladies out there to know I wasn't always this awesome, okay? <laughs> and so tonight when you're, uh, when you're laying on your pillow and you're, you know, don't turn to your husband and say, why can't you be as awesome as Mark? <laughs> it was so bad, it was so bad that Roger Lamb, yeah, I'll name drop, Roger Lamb, about uh, a month later came into Columbia, Missouri, and, and Connie just, uh, we're, 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 we were the campus ministry there, and, and she just broke down and cried. And, uh, boy, I knew my number was up. Because back then, we really discipled, okay? And I stand before you as a proud product of that. But, uh, wow, did I, uh, did I ever get my clock cleaned and needed it cleaned? And I would love to say that I just changed, and that I got it, and that from there on it was, sure, honey, whatever you need, honey. It it was like, 
And there was uh, about, uh, you know, Cheryl shares about the glory days of Toronto. I remember when, uh, when we got called to Boston. And this would have been now about five, six years into the marriage. And uh, I ended up living, we ended up living in the uh, Gimple's basement for a week. A whole week. You say, what were you doing there for a week? That's what I was asking myself. And, uh, boy, that was back when we discipled marriages, and, boy, did we need help. And, boy, did we get help. And by the end of that week, I bawled like a baby. I'm not ashamed to admit that, because I saw how callous and how the lack of honor that I uh, portrayed to my wife through, really, five, six years of marriage— I wasn't a total jerk, just probably 90% of the way there. And uh, I'm just trying to help you understand, it's the complete opposite, guys, of what it means to consider your spouse better than yourself. But, uh, you know, those are just life lessons that I had to learn along the way. Anything you want to add there? I think you probably could. Well, no. What, what I would, what my response to what Mark has shared, and I think he's painted, you know, a great picture. No, yeah. seriously. Hey, we all start out somewhere, right? And we're on a journey, and we have a lot of things that we have to repent of and change, and we're not ashamed of that. And we, you know, we don't have this perfectly packaged marriage. We've had to really fight through some battles to get to the place where we are today. But I would say it's a two-way street. I think he really portrayed himself negatively. Um, but I think we as wives can do the same thing to our husband. I mean, sometimes we can sit in the audience and go, yeah, that's how those guys are. you know. But in other ways, how are we being, how are we lacking respect towards our husband? And being insensitive or unconcerned or unhelpful. I mean, we were created to be his helpmate. I mean, think about that. Does that describe you today? Is that who you are in your marriage? And I would recommend at some point ask your husband if, if he feels that way about you. That you're just his right hand, his armor bearer. You're in there to support and strengthen him. Um, but it is, it's a two-way street, and I've sure had my share of, you know, blowing it all over the place and needing to repent as well. Yeah, I think, uh, I think when you understand that you're on the same team, then everything really changes in marriage. Because when you understand that how you treat your spouse is how you are treating your own body, your own self, as Ephesians 5 says, then it just, the lights go on that, that why, would I, why would I treat myself this way? I mean, the Red Cross flag gets out there. Why would I treat her any differently? And, and I just think understanding that humility is really training yourself with the mindset to be a great listener. And it's also considering the other person truly better than yourself. The third thing that I believe is key to imitating the humility of Jesus in our marriage 
and that when we do this, it will really have a transforming effect, is that humility seeks out advice from their spouse. You know, as a young married man, I really believed I knew the answers to most things in life. You see, pride, it assumes what it already knows. Humility, on the other hand, assumes that there's always more to learn. And I, uh, I'll tell you what, I chose well in life. I'll just say it. Because my wife has taught me more of what it means to be a Christian than probably any single individual person along my Christian life journey of 38 years. You know, uh, I hope that's how you see your spouse. Because the Bible says God joined you together. Two are better than one. And there's a reason why God chose who he put you with. Or at the very least, did not block who you married as a sovereign God. You know, I think too often we get caught up thinking that, you know, so much of the key to a great marriage is is, uh, making the right choice of who we marry. And don't get me wrong, that's really important, how you choose. Because it's a lifelong decision. Cheryl shares, uh, you know, about the early days of uh, our relationship and, and nothing but great memories there. I think probably the best marriage advice I ever gave Cheryl was before she was married. And I said, sister, you want to know how to get married here? Take your car to Jiffy Lube. Stop changing the oil in front of the brothers. Do do I lie or am I right? I mean, she grew up on a farm. I'll tell you what, she was out there in front of my house on Doris Avenue, dropping the oil on her car when some of the brothers were coming over. So you can change whatever you need to change. You you may think, well, you know, if I had to do it over again, maybe I would have had a different choice. Let me let you in on a little secret. Marriage is not so much, and for us at this stage of life, it's certainly not about who you chose, but it's who you choose to become in your marriage. Not who you choose, but who you choose to become. And becoming the right person. And so the, uh, the third part of this humility embracement is to really seek out the advice that your spouse brings to the table as your helper, as Connie so well put it, and God puts it. Let me just share with you a couple proverbs that apply, I think, to your marriage. Certainly apply to your marriage. Proverbs 12, verse 15 says... The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise spouse listens to advice. That's the ESV married edition. 
Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride only leads to arguments, but those who take advice are wise. Ecclesiastes 4.13 says, A poor but wise youth is better than an old and foolish king who no longer knows how to receive advice. I'll tell you, the real light came on in building ministries in the churches we led when I really learned even more fully to embrace what my wife brought to the table in building a church. And I don't care what you're doing, if it's just raising children, and I say just raising children, uh, it's amazing the dynamic in our relationship that God blessed us with in raising our three wonderful children. You know, our two sons were so blessed are here this weekend uh, with their uh, with their beautiful wives, and uh, you know they will probably be the first to tell you that uh, in our household, Dad wasn't a pushover. But dad was a little more full of grace. Mom, on the other hand, was a little more full of truth and could be a little more hard line. She kept me from parenting in such a way to let the kids just run wild. I kept her out of jail. And... It worked. It, it, it was it was a uh, it was a, a beautiful thing. And you know, you you really look at me like I can't see that. I would have thought for sure you would have been the guy. I'm not saying I was a patsy, but on the other hand, my goodness, did we have to go for some walks? And and we would go for walks away from the kids, and we would put our heads together before we went outside our marriage and sought much-needed advice. But we had never raised a 13-year-old before. We had never raised an 18-year-old before. And we both brought different backgrounds into our marriage and different baggage into our marriage. And you know what I'm talking about, but when it came together, boy, were we a force to be reckoned with in life. And I like to think still are because of what the two in becoming one truly means. You know, uh, Connie's going to come now and share about a a recent uh, thing in our life and the difference it made. So many of you know that my husband was recently diagnosed with cancer and has gone through surgery as a result of that and will have a little bit further treatment down the road. But... During that whole process, you are, you know, now marriage is really serious. Now you're talking about life and death, you know, possible circumstances. And it it escalates things to a whole new level, to be honest. And um, in this particular situation, of course, we were meeting with, you know, an oncologist, a a cancer specialist. And um, so he gave us all the the report, the news, and I remember when we walked out of his office the first time when he said, you have cancer, we left the office, and Mark said, now, do I have cancer? 
But it's, it's one of those where you just are like, I, did I hear that right? So again, the two are better than one when we come together. So as we walked through that process, to be honest, I, I did not fully embrace the doctor's, the doctor's direction, 100%. And so it was a little awkward. Mark loved the doctor very, very much, still does, and we're still under his care. But I felt like we needed to do a more aggressive. I guess that's the part of me, you know, the go after things kind of part of me. But so I was sitting there thinking, I need, we need to be more aggressive in reacting to the situation. And the doctor was like, well, we can just watch it and blah, blah, blah. And I was, I'm just sitting there thinking, are you crazy? That's what I'm really thinking. I never said that to the doctor. Didn't think that would help us at all. So anyway, <laughs> but I have to say, Mark exhibited extreme humility because when I brought to his attention carefully how I was feeling and how I was assessing things, it took a little bit of time, but eventually he just said, you know, I think you're right. I think I need to move forward with this and more quickly than slowly. And it's just as amazing because he was welcoming of my advice. He didn't ask me for my advice. I, I shared it with him in a, in a proper way. There is a proper way to do it, if you're wondering. Um, I'm not just here to be bossing my husband around or telling him what he, how, running his life. But in this circumstance, I felt like I had something important that he needed to hear and listen to and consider. And he was extremely gracious and embracing. And um, I think he'll say to this now, wow, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we, we went forward with the surgery. I, I hate to think if we hadn't done that. So sometimes we are advising each other on very kind of simple things, but sometimes we're in the very complex realm. And we better practice on being, you know, listeners and receiving advice on the easy things, or we're going to be in big trouble when we get to the bigger things. All right. Yeah, what she didn't share is that my doctor was a uh, top, top urologist. I, I went to a great guy. And he wanted just to do active surveillance. Uh, you know, it sounded great to me. <laughs> and he finally came really toe-to-toe -to -toe with Connie, and he said, you know, uh, I don't think this woman's going to leave me alone until we take this thing out. Take this cancer out, and it so happens that two weeks or so after the uh, surgery was had, the doctor came in rather sheeplessly and said, you know, you were in that 5% where the cancer had actually started to leave the prostate. And I left that, that day on the ride home saying to my wife, you saved my life or at the very least, saved me from a horrific experience of battling more serious cancer. Uh, they did a test a couple weeks ago, a blood test, and I showed no trace of cancer, which was very good news. Uh, but I have to tell you, uh, you, you know, husbands, I'm just trying to get you to really appreciate your wife's insight. You know, they did a uh, top, top study, and, and see, guys need stuff like this, okay? They did a top, top study down under, and of all places, Australia, 
And uh, it was an amazing study where they, they were lo- looking at, you know, people's self-awareness. And uh, this is going to really shock you, I'm sure. But they asked the question, you know, among the men and women in the study, how they viewed themselves in regards to their weight. Women were way more realistic than guys, okay? The data showed that 7 in 10 men who were actually really overweight, but only 3 in 10 thought they were. Go figure. On the other hand, there were 6 in 10 women who were overweight, and 5 in 10 thought they were. Go figure. Women just have more insight, more self-awareness. You know, I think guys are, uh, are a lot like, uh, you know, we think like uh, things like Christopher Columbus. You say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I'm Italian. <laughs> you know, we, we still like Columbus in Texas. I understand he gets kicked around a lot in California. <laughs> you know, guys think of Christopher Columbus and they think, you know, he didn't ask for directions. And look how that turned out. (laughs) And I think that's kind of our mindset when it comes to listening to our spouses, sadly. But, you know, uh, men, uh, wow, we're just prideful. And uh, Connie, Connie, I want her to come and share this one little gem. Because uh, I recently taught down in uh, Mexico City at at an event down there, uh, their, their conference. And... Connie wasn't able to make it on the trip, but I shared this about her, and I am telling you, she is a saint in Mexico. I I can't go, this is like two years later, and I can't go anywhere now, and Mexicans are coming up to saying, man, what your wife said there was awesome, that has changed our marriage, this is so incredible. Gordon Ferguson came up to me two weeks ago and says, Connie Mancini has changed our marriage. And so this one little gem is going to be worth coming out here this weekend, okay? So, so guys, guys, put down your smartphones and listen to this one little gem. And this is especially for the women. Well, I just want to make sure you understand, Mark always asks me for directions whenever we're driving, and then he goes the opposite of whatever I tell him. That and, is the truth. And it's always right. That he is always, not a joke. That <laughs> is the truth. Time. She tells me, and I say, well, then I know right. I need to go so left. <laughs> truth. And I'm okay with that. Nine out of ten times it's, it works. It does. So anyway, the thing, however, that Mark was referring to, for the longest time in my you know, marriage, um, I would, as women, I do think Mark is right. We have certain insights, certain intuitions, certain gut feelings that men just don't have. Um, a different perspective. And for the longest time, you know, I would get those gut feelings and I'd be like, let me tell you about this. And I was way overbearing, way over the top, way too arrogant and prideful about my own knowledge of the situation and thought that God had sent me to be the spokeswoman (laughs) to straighten him out. Um, But in all seriousness, what we say 
in our marriages, um, what we share with our spouse, with our husband, is very important. But it's even more important how we share it. Yeah, the timing, how we share it, when we choose to share it. I learned very quickly that when Mark would deliver a heartfelt sermon and walked on off the stage sweating bullets, I didn't walk up to him and go, oh, I, I have these three things that you said wrong and you should not have done this and you, you could have used... another word is usually what I would hear. That's not a word. I, and uh, that was not the time for me to be offering input into his life. And, but I did that over and over, stupidly, over and over again. And finally, it took me far too long, but I realized this isn't really working. This is not getting the intended result. I'm, I'm hurting his feelings. I'm discouraging him. And this isn't producing anything good. So it took me a while. Yeah. And I, I really... <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It, it really did. But eventually, I reached a place in my heart. I think it's really... This is about what's on the inside. Yeah. I had to struggle. I had to struggle with my own heart, my own spirit, my own attitude that, yes, this is my team. We are a team. And the things that come out of my mouth should be helpful. And, again, how I say those things is very important. So what I, I'm, I didn't create this. I'm sure a million other people do this somewhere, women. But what I figured out to do with my husband is I figured out if I would say to him at a, at a non-controversial or no-conflict time, I would just say, you know, honey, there's a couple things on my mind, there's a couple things that I've observed that I would like to share with you that I think will help you. And just let me know whenever you're ready and you'd like to hear. And that took away all the pressure. Like... I wasn't pressing him, like, right now, I want to tell you this. Listen to me, you know. No, it was like, whenever you're ready to hear it, get back to me. And I cannot tell you how, how often, more times than not, more often than not, on the spot he would say, really? Oh, it was killing me. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I didn't even know this was going to happen people. I didn't. It's like, I didn't have that intention. But he would just look at me and go, well, I really want to know. And I, I literally, I was like, are you sure? Like, you want to know now? I thought this would be in a well, week what, or two. What it, what it did was it showed respect because this may sound quirky, but it put me in control to ask the question. And uh, there, there would be times where I would say, okay, thank you, but never... <laughs> Never, never, would, never would the sun go down before I went to her and said, okay, I'm, I'm ready to hear what you want to share with me. And I, t I will tell you, that, has, that little tip, sisters, has changed the spirit of openness with so many husbands because it's, it's respectful, it's honoring, and it's also timing and tone. So it's a great thing. Now... Let me, let me share this with you. What it used to be like, and this is a great way if you know you're, you're, you're shutting your wife down, is, is, is 
what used to happen was we would schedule time to make love. And she would do her thing, and man, I'd be ready to go, and I'd come get in the bed, and... Well, there's something I I do want to share with you. And I am telling you, that's the first seven years of our marriage. And and, uh, I'll tell you what, she had a captive audience. But I can't say I was the most teachable at that moment. I just... And, 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 and if that's happening, and some of you are laughing because if that pillow talk is, I, there's one thing I would like to talk to you about before we go forward here, then you probably need to change something on how you communicate. The final thought, the final thought is number four, and this is, this is the most important, guys. Humility embraces the golden rule of marriage. And uh, we've nicknamed this the golden rule of marriage ourselves. You know Matthew 7, and everything do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself. It's known as the golden rule. Well, let me tell you playing off that what we believe the golden rule of marriage is. And that is simply this. Change whatever your spouse wants you to change. We have put that into practice years ago in our relationship. And from time to time, we will just ask, what do you want to see me change to be a better husband? And we have this little rule that it's one thing. It can't be, oh, here's a list of ten. But, but here's, what is the most important thing right now that I need to work on to be a better spouse? And uh, Connie can briefly share about that before we close out. So we were on a road trip not so long ago, and we were in the middle of nowhere. Texas is huge, and uh, we were on our way to a retreat, and as we drove, literally I think we drove for several hours and never saw another car. So we had all this time together to talk. And part, quite, No radio stations either, nothing, no cell phone nothing. reception. So it was awesome. Very southwestern part of Texas, yeah. nothing down there. But it was really, it's really awesome. We're, we're such an interrupted people these days with technology, so we just had this total open-ended time to talk. And we were kind of winding down, and finally it got quiet, and then Mark just looked over at me, and he said, you know, I just wanted to ask you, is there anything that you would like to see me change? The very question that he just referenced. And literally, I was kind of caught off guard. I wasn't expecting that question. But in fact, there was something that had really been eating at me. And... Um, So he asked the question, and I wanted to just, like, take his head off almost. Yeah, exactly. That's what she's trying to say. I I could have just yelled out an answer because it was that close to the surface for me. And, um, but I didn't. And I said, you know, I need to think about that. So we drove a few more miles, and, um, you know, he came back to it again. But by that point, I was able to put into words in a respectful way, what it was I wanted him to hear from me. 
and what it was is I said, you know, I've just, I've just been feeling lately like you treat other people so kindly, but that's not how you're treating me. And, um, See, ladies, I'm not that awesome. <laughs> so don't beat your husband over the head with it. But it, but it actually was a, it was a very emotional exchange because much to my surprise, he was pretty, he was pretty um, taken aback. And his, his response was quietly at first, and then he said, wow, you know, I'm just so sorry. That's the last thing that I want you to feel. So it was just this an emotional conversation, and, and um, by we pulled the car, no, no. <laughs> We did get pulled over by a police officer, too, on that drive, I should say. <laughs> but he talked his way out of the ticket. But, all right. <laughs> but I uh, actually got pulled over twice, twice on that trip. Twice. Used the minister card, got out both times. <laughs> okay, but we're, I'm getting off track here. But my point is... See, ladies, I'm not that awesome. <laughs> I think the amazing, so through, I'm not giving you every de detail, but you get, the, you get yeah. the drift. And what Mark said is, I am going to repent. I don't want this to go on in our marriage. And he said, he, he recognized it in some ways. He asked me for examples. Yeah, specifics, help. specifics, can you tell me, give me an example how I've done this or how that made you feel. And then he said, you know, I might need your help to point it out to me when I'm doing this, because yeah. sometimes I'm clueless. And I just thought his heart was just so humble and so receptive and so wanting the best for our relationship. And um, I have to say, that was probably, was that two years ago? About two years. About, that was about two years ago. It has changed dramatically. And I would say com completely, not that there's never a slip up, but it's been a, a permanent change in our relationship. So I just want to encourage the men, um, you know, especially. Thank you. Okay. We are. Yeah, if you're in Texas in a national park, don't speed. It's only 25 miles per hour. And uh, when you go through an occasional small town that only has a Dairy Queen, drop your speed. They will get you. That's free. You can change. No, you can transform any marriage with this simple thing. Imitate the humility of Christ. You know, I close with this thought. How blessed are we I mean, do you realize that marriage is the great teacher? If you don't think that's true, just look at the singles. They're not here, so I can say this. But seriously, where else are you going to learn to be patient, to, to persevere, to, to change so many Christ-like attributes that need to be formed in your life 
than when you're working on that relationship with your spouse. If you think children change you permanently to be more like Christ and understand the heart of God, I put marriages even above that. And marriage is the great teacher. No exercise in life is more rigorous, more intimate, and more life-changing than this exercise called marriage. And so what we're going to do here as we close is we're going to take five minutes. And you're actually going to just turn to your spouse. Please don't turn the chairs because it will be too much to put them back together. And we're going to play some intimate music. At least I hope it's not smoke on the water. I don't know what the guys have. That will date me. But we're going to play a little background instrumental music, and I want you to turn to your spouse, and I want you each to just share one thing that you want to see your spouse change. You say, I haven't had time to think about it. Yeah, the only thing you need to think about is how to narrow it down to one, because you've been thinking about it. And it should be that one thing that jumps up at you. This is the most important thing right now that I just want to encourage you. Can you work on this? Can you imitate Jesus in this? Can you change this for us? And then I want, that should just take a couple minutes. And if you need to, you can get a little specific. But have a nice tone. <laughs> Smile when you say it. And then uh, have your spouse repeat back to you what they heard. And that should only take about less than a minute for them to verbalize, this is what I hear you saying, thank you. And then repeat the exercise with the other person. This whole thing should take no more than five minutes. Okay? And uh, again... I think if you approach a marriage enrichment weekend determined to change just one or at the most two things this weekend going forward over the next few months, next year, you'll be amazed after 36 years of marriage, the layers that are put on to strengthen that marriage and the character that's formed to be more like Christ. So go ahead, start the music, turn, Jerry will come.